We all have dreams, but dreams by their very nature can be difficult to achieve. That's where Access Credit Union comes in. Whether it's going to college, owning a car or building your dream home, your local credit union can help you to fulfill your dreams. Access Credit Union. Funding dreams for over 50 years. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarty. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers as always, to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. What a fortnight it's been for the West Cork athletes at the Tokyo Olympics. We had said throughout the build-up that the seven athletes heading over from the region had the talent to make an impact but I don't think in our wildest dreams we could have predicted just how big an impact they'd have. In the men's lightweight rowing double the skibbereen duo of Paul O'Donovan and Fintan McCarthy picked up the country's first ever Olympic rowing gold delivering a performance for the ages and in the women's heavyweight four fellow skibbereen rower Emily Hegarty was part of another historic moment as they picked up Ireland's first ever women's rowing medal, securing bronze in one of the races of the Games. Aoife Casey also made her mark in Tokyo, finishing 8th overall in the women's lightweight double alongside Margaret Kremen, laying down a real marker for Paris in three years' time. And then, once the rowing finished up, the Balanine bullet Phil Healy made history on the track, becoming the first Irish athlete ever to compete in three separate events at the Olympic Games. Her most memorable run probably came in the 4 by 400 meter mixed relay semi-final when the team qualified for an Olympic final, which is a real rarity in Irish athletics. Phil went on to run out of her skin in both the 200 and 400 meters events to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that she belongs on the grandest stage of them all. On today's podcast, we'll hear from the rowers after they were welcomed back to a special event emceed by Kieran on Monday night and we'll also reflect on Phil's performances. But first Kieran, I just want to get get your get your overall assessment of the Olympics from a West Cork perspective. We said in our um, our pre-Olympic 24 plate special that West Cork athletes were primed to take over Tokyo they did take over Tokyo, Jack. Incredible to see so many West Cork athletes shine on the big stage. And it's important always to emphasise that this is the big stage. It's a global stage. It's the Olympics. It's the best of the best. And you have athletes from West Cork rubbing shoulders with the very, very best in the world. And not only that, 
they're beating the very best in the world. So it's incredible to think that, let's say, let's say Paul and Finton for a moment, two skibbering rowers, two men from Afterdown, are the very best in the world at what they do. They're world champions, European champions, and now they're Olympic champions. And they also set a world record best time in their semi-finals. So you're talking about taking over. Those two lads have taken over that lightweight double. Something, it's something else. And Phil Healy as well is absolutely incredible. And David Gillick was superb earlier in the week, Jack, about, about Phil, just giving context as, as to what she's achieved. Like you've a West Cork sprinter from Bandon Athletic Club, from Bananine, a West Cork woman who is again rubbing shoulders with the best in the world and holding her own in fairness to her. Like she's up against like the Jamaicans, like the Jamaicans that have won two three in the in the women's hundred meter final, which they're saying is the greatest women's hundred meter final of all time. And then Phil in her heat was up against um the hundred meter Olympic champion. Like that just shows where Phil has come from. It started off on a grass track in Bananine and she was racing the Olympic women's hundred meter champion in the Olympic Stadium in Tokyo. So incredible couple of days and uh, above all in part of their success to decide for a second they're just such great ambassadors for for west cork they've really put their towns their clubs on the map they've done their their families friends and their clubs proud as well so they've carried themselves with such such distinction as well so um it's just yeah it's been a fantastic couple of weeks and we are probably as guilty as anyone at the southern star of heaping pressure on the West Cork athletes that were travelling over to Tokyo because as you mentioned we had the 24 page special magazine, we had podcasts wall to wall we had coverage across southernstar.ie constantly updating the great West Cork public about how they were performing but I think all the athletes showed just how high a calibre they are that none of the pressure told, they were more than capable of shouldering that pressure and just showed throughout the games that they are not just the best of West Cork, they are the best in the world at what they do. 100%. And again, I'm going to come back to Paul and Finton because obviously they've, they've won the gold and I think they're just Ireland's seventh ever Olympic gold middle winners. And that's going back to like, to, to Dr. Pat O'Callaghan back in the, like, the, the 30s, which is incredible to think the two skip boys now. But I wonder how many they're going to have in a million years' time, as Paul alludes to. 100%. He's, he, <laughs> He's only getting started, I think. But then, when you're looking at, at, at Paul and Finton, the pressure and expectation that was on those two lads heading over to Tokyo, like we said, World European champions, they were unbackable favourites, odds on, everybody expected them to win. But like, and we've said before, Jack, it, it never works out. Like, the fairy tale should never be that easy. The, the, like, the favourites, it's, it's very rare that the favourites will jump every hurdle and then win as they're expected to. Usually there's a giant killing along the way or some crew will call it somewhere or something will happen happened somewhere along the line, like happened to, to the Italians in the semi-final where their board actually capsized. So they're thinking, Jesus, this this can't go according to the script. But it did, but that just shows how well Paul and Finton dealt with that expectation. And it's almost an insight into how those two lads operate and, and how Skibbereen Rome Club works and how Dominic Casey works because they approached it like just any other race. And I was chatting to Finton on on Monday at the homecoming, and I was saying, like, this is incredible, you know, how was it like? And he said, the words on a few champions, he goes, they don't really mean much. He goes, what what means a lot to them is the fact that they had a plan, they went out there, they executed the plan, and the reward is that they won the race. They could have been down the River Island as much as they could have been on the, the river and um, that, that course over in Tokyo. So it's just a fascinating insight into 
how these top level high level elite athletes work just one more reflection for me then before we hear from the lords because you obviously had the chance to speak to them on monday evening but i watched back the final itself for the first time last night having watched it last week obviously and i watched it on the eurosport youtube channel and what struck me was how happy the germans were to win a silver medal this is germany a country of 80 million people a country that has dominated the olympic games for 100 years across all sports and the german crew were celebrating wildly after picking up a silver medal behind the irish crew because it was almost as if they knew they didn't stand a chance they were just silver medal was gold for them because the gold was long gone in their minds this is now my amateur psychology watching a video on youtube last night but the celebrations were so wild that it almost struck me as their gold medal going into the games was the silver medal if you'll excuse like the no, mental gymnastics you have to take so that was my biggest reflection on re-watching the race a week out but you remember we'd Martin cross on the podcast here a couple of months back he's the former gold medalist himself with great britain in the olympics in the 70s and he's a well-known bbc uh, well-known rowing journalist and commentator and he made the point that the other crews are almost beaten at the start line in the men's lightweight double at the moment because they're looking around saying how the hell are we going to beat paul and finton because they're winning everything i put up a a tweet there on um, obviously on twitter uh, just just, (laughs) the obvious (laughs) on my space (laughs) just looking at the last for international gathers that they've been on and they've won every race and they've won gold in everyone so that's come back to the words of 2019 the europeans this year world cup two in lucerne and now the olympics and that's 13 race wins in a row and they've beaten every competitor that's out there and you're looking kind of saying how is it even going to beat them because paul and finton still feel that, that there's more to come they still feel they're going to get better and this is a crew that just won the gold and they just set a world record time so i'm um, fierce exciting times ahead absolutely well later in the podcast we're going to chat more in depth about phil's performances in tokyo but we're going to kick things off this week uh, with some of the audio from the homecoming at spearline on monday evening which as i mentioned was hosted by you and to start us off you asked paula donovan about the significance of his gold but first a quick reminder of the special e- the special morning evening when Skibbereen won gold at the Olympic Games. Green light, off they go. Oh, Father dear, and I often hear you speak of Aaron's Isle. Expect the Germans to start swiftly, and indeed they've done just that in lane four. mountains rude and wild They say it is a lovely land Wherein a prince might dwell then why did you abandon it? Oh, the reason to me tell. They're home and hosed. They're ahead by a length. It's Ireland from Germany. And history is made of the water in Tokyo. Till a blight came over all my crops. And my sheep and cattle died. As Vincent McCarthy and Paul O'Donovan win gold. Gold for Ireland. Gold for Ireland. Silver for Germany. And that's the cruel reason I left old Skibbereen. Is well one more chapter of magnificence from the men from County Cork. Brilliant, sheer brilliant. There's never been an Irish rowing gold before. Gary and Paul O'Donovan won Ireland's first Olympic rowing medal, the silver in Rio. And now Paul 
with Vincent McCarthy has won Ireland's very first gold medal. And that's another reason I left Paul, I mean, board, it's, it's another force for Irish rowing. It, it's a real breakthrough and it's a real confirmation of the, the hard work and the talent and the process that Royal Ireland have, as well as Skibbereen. Do you think this result, as well as the women's bronze medal, that, that can act as a catalyst for more days like this and more Olympic medals to, to come to Skibbereen and indeed across Ireland? Um. I suppose, yeah, it feels like you're kind of asking me to predict the future here a little bit and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be great at that. Uh, but I suppose, well, like it could go very badly as well and if we get kind of so excited that we think we've found this magic formula that we just kind of, I suppose, try and stick to that as much as we can and just kind of get a bit stupid and, and, and not kind of, I suppose, strive for improvement that we think we have at all. Um, but I suppose at the end of the day, I really don't think that that'll be left happen, uh, just knowing the kind of culture that we've got in the rowing club and with Dominic Casey and everyone involved. Um, and I think, you know, the, I suppose the method to our success is not really just this one kind of perfect training plan or, or one formula. It's, um, I suppose, as, I've, as Michal said, like that I've told the media, it's, it's a hell of a lot of hard work. But um, I suppose also just... Um, a constant kind of strive for being better. I suppose it's never perfection because we know that we never get there. We're always just looking to get better each and every day um, and just always kind of looking for errors in what we're doing and just trying to correct that um, just a little bit. And um, do I think as I've kind of alluded to in other uh, interviews uh, about my friend Heraclitus who keeps falling in rivers, God love him, but he says uh, the one thing that's constant in this, this world is change. Um, and I think that that's also one of the, the secrets to success is that we're not kind of afraid of change. We're ready to embrace it and, and take it on and tackle, tackle it up, up front and, and kick its hole. <laughs> Gary, next for this question, because I think he's the, he's the right man to answer this question. Um, Dominic Casey has been such an integral part of this story. Not only the success of Skibbery Rome Club, but now he's transferred that since he became Irish Lightweight Rome coach back in, in 2016. What is it about Dominic that makes him such a good Rome coach and that, that brings out such great results and great performances from all these rowers, whether it's with the club or with the Irish athletes? Um, yeah, see, this is a. Uh I've, I've been trying to figure this one over myself for a while. I think it helps that he's uh, insane, and I think it helps that he drives us insane. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, it, that, 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 stands, that, that really helps in rowing, like being insane and crazy. <laughs> and I think we've all got on well so far with that mentality. But it, I, I've, I've been, I really have been trying to figure this out. And when I was reading Mark's article in the Southern Star, um, and I don't know how many people have read it, but, but you know, Michal uh, mentioned about the lads, that they couldn't do any more training. They, they, they said it themselves, they couldn't train anymore, and Dominic made them go training again. And it's interesting, like, when I think about it as well, whenever you talk to someone around the area or someone involved in the rowing club, usually they're giving out about Dominic or complaining or they're not happy with him over something or another. And, uh, like, that, the first reaction of the lads when he told them to go out and do that last session was to complain and say, are you mad, man? We can't, like, you're, you're nuts. And, People come up and say it, and I could guarantee you everyone in this room, at one point or another, 
Dominic has made them do something they didn't think they could do, you know? <laughs> and I think, like, there, there's one story that I was thinking of during the week, like, Shane's brother, he's a, he was an engineer up in Bringa Skiddy, and he's, he had a job one Saturday of bringing in a massive cruiser into the harbour, and Dominic was, the Skibreen regatta was on, and Shane came in, he was like, Jesus, man, like, Dominic won't leave Kevin alone, he can't leave the harbour, he has to bring in this, this, this uh, cargo ship. It's impossible, he can't, because Dominic wanted him to work at the regatta on the Saturday. Right? <laughs> and Shane was telling me, he's like, he's driving Kevin mad, he can't come in. Like, what are we going to do? <laughs> anyway, the whole thing kind of went over my head and disappeared. And <laughs> sure, didn't I see uh, Kevin up at the start line marshalling boats around <laughs> at 10 o'clock in the morning at my first race, and I went up for my third race to the day at 6 in the evening. He was still there marshalling boats around, and you can only imagine that the cruise ship was stuck outside. Like, <laughs> And I think that's, this is the thing, like, Dominic gets the best out of people. He gets people to do what they don't think they can do. And he does that with the athletes. And I think that's most important that, you know, he can get the most out of all of us here. When we, we think there's not enough training, that we, that we think we're done, and there's more to come, and he'll get that out of us. And, and he'll get that out of the people around us, because we need people to help us, you know. We need the sports scientists. We need all the, 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 the resources that Sport Ireland have that they can give us. We need the the help of the people of the rowing club, we need the help of the people of the community, you know, even if it's just little things like, you know, like the, the people who make the soup for the tent at the Cork Regatta for us, you know, and we come in on a cold, you know, it's, it's freezing cold, it's pissing rain, we're after two races in the day and all we want is to be warm and there's warm soup there and Dominic got that for us, you know, some way indirectly, he, he got someone to do something and, and that helps us and it helps all the young athletes and it, it's, it's everybody around us is getting the best out of themselves and I think Dominic encourages that and through that we're able to encourage each other to get the best out of ourselves and it's this open, honest, let's everybody help everybody and get the most out of each other for everyone's benefit and you know, there, I don't think there is a magic recipe but I do think that that's part of the, the concoction is that everybody is a part of it and Dominic gets everybody involved. And Some brilliant stuff from both Gary O'Donovan and Paul O'Donovan there, particularly Gary's story about the cruise ship which I think gives a great indication of what make Dominic Casey's role in all of this so important. Now, unfortunately, we don't have the audio of Kieran asking Fintan McCarthy a question, but we do have the audio of Fintan answering, which is, of course, much more important. So here is Fintan responding to a question about whether his gold medal can be an inspiration for the next generation of Skibreen rowers. I really hope so, because... Um I've been thinking about this one a lot when, you know, all the interviews are saying I've taken from it is that hopefully, you know, it can be an inspiration for even a, a few young people to pick it up because, like, I was so lucky to have found, you know, if you're not good at those big sports, you're kind of just, Jake was saying this to me earlier, you're just kind of boxed off as not sporty or not athletic and, you know, I it's you know, I feel really proud that I've been able to, like, show kids that, you know, you don't have to be, it doesn't have to be GA or soccer, you can, you know, you can be, you can be good at something else and become the best in the world. And, yeah, I just think that's really cool. <laughs> So here, there was obviously more than Gary, Paul and Fintan at the event, but we don't have the audio from Emily Hegarty, Aoife Casey and Lydia Heafy on hand just now. 
But overall, the night itself at Spearline, how was it? It must have been special to be there and be in the presence of greatness. Yeah, I was very honoured and privileged to be to be asked to attend it. And it was a club function organised by Skibbering Road Club. And just to recognise, they wanted to recognise the achievements of all their Skibbers who went up to Tokyo and, of course, Dominic Casey. So it was a, a small gathering. It was an intimate gathering. Um, the, it was meant to be hosted outdoors first, but then Ireland been Ireland. The heavens opened and the rain poured down. So After a month of sunshine, the day they oh, come Jesus. home, it's spilling rain. You couldn't, you, you, you couldn't, you couldn't write it because even the night before, when Fintan and Emily came back to Skibbereen and they gave an impromptu drive around town, beautiful evening again. There was people out in the streets coming out, well wishers and locals, and coming out to welcome them home. But then, um, anyway, on Monday, the rain, the rain gods did come out to try and spoil the party for a bit. But it just gives you an insight into in Skibbereen Rowing Club again. They just got on with it, you know, like, like they always did. They just did the show moved indoors for for a small bit. And it was a, a great show as well. Sean O'Brien was, was, was the MC, did a great job. You had Antisha, Michal Martin was there. You had Simon Coveney, Jack Chambers were there, a couple of local politicians. Then um, Sean Moore, the club chairman, said a couple of words. Nuna Lupton, the club president, was bursting with pride as well. And of course, we had the six Olympians and we had Dominic Casey. But what I thought was great, Jack, is sitting in the back row on, on Monday night, there were two of the three founding members, Richard Hosford, and you had Danny Murphy. And it was just great to see that these two men who, who thought of this club, this concept back in 1970, um, they, they started this club and now we're here, what, 51 years later, 52 years on, and it was an Olympic gold coming down to Skibreen as well as Emily's Olympic bronze medal as well. And when you added to Gary and Paul's Olympic silver in 2016, that's the full set. So it was great to see um, Richard Hosford and Danny, and Danny Murphy there. Um, great to see Donald O'Sullivan there too. He was a club chairman for 35 years. So just from that alone, you can see that it was a, it was a special night for the club, kind of the, the past and the future and the present. They were all there together. The athletes were in superb form. Um, the, I know we don't have the audio from, from talking to Emily, Lydia and, and Aoife, but I was asking Aoife just about her experience at the Olympic Village and she was filming us in what it was like and she was walking around the village one day and Tom Daly walked by and she was like, that's Tom Daly, the great British diver. And he obviously won Olympic gold as well at, at these games. And um, so it was just, yeah, it was a good night, good fun. And it moved outdoors after because obviously somebody got the message to the weather gods, hi, there's something going on in Skibbereen, quit the nonsense, get the sun back out. So we were, we were outdoors after and you could see all all the roars, like I said, past and present England, you'd Marco Donovan there, Orla Hayes, Timmy Harnady, uh, Shane O'Driscoll, and so many more family and friends. So just a really special night. Yeah, brilliant stuff. And uh, just uh, a great week, two weeks all around for the town of Skibbereen. But we're going to take a quick break now. And up next, we're going to be chatting about the Balanine Bullet, Phil Healy. Hi, uh, my name is Denise Harrington. I'm a co-chair of the under sevens. That's the age we start with. Hopefully we can hold on to them for years. It's not just all about running. We do jumps, curls, shot put. So look, it's a place for everyone. If you don't think you have to run, you can do try other events over the years. We are really a club that tries to be inclusive of everyone and enjoy ourselves and we, we are very family orientated here. <laughs> Can 
The reason we're doing this, folks, is to try and get support to build our home. We have a field, we need a home. That'll take huge support. I appreciate if you can put your hand in your pocket and give us uh, any donation. It doesn't really matter how small or how big. Uh, for the people that have been through the club, you've obviously seen what we, we have done with you or your children. We need support. Again, if you can either help out in any way, but financially, this is a huge undertaking and we really need your help. Even more so, the fruits of it are Bill Healy going to the Olympics and four members of the club selected yesterday for the European Under-20 Championships, which is a major achievement really. I'm sure Catherine and Billy must be thrilled in heaven looking down to see that. You know, not all kids go to competition, but we try and have a group who would, we might run our own little mini competitions without the kids even realising it. And so please, we need your support and again, it will be very much appreciated. We all knew coming in she was Ireland's fastest woman and we'd seen her compete at a high level internationally before but how great was it to finally see the Balanine Bullet Phil Healy test herself at the very top level of the sport and more than hold her own. Before we chat about her performance as a whole let's quickly listen to Phil's brilliant interview with RTE after her scintillating run in the 400 metres. Phil, just seen the results, seven hundreds. Unfortunately, you're not going through the semi-final. Yeah, it was seven hundreds today, it was six hundreds yesterday. This is sport and it's the finest of margins, but I have to come, like yesterday, as I said, I was disappointed missing out by the six hundreds. Today, it's my second fastest time ever um, outdoors. Of course, again, I would love to be in a semi-final and I know what the other runs have taken from me, but I came out here today, the first Irish person, woman, to do three events at an Olympic Games in athletics. Um, we made history with the relay. I have to be happy going away with these. And that performance today has erased yesterday somewhat for me, so I will definitely be going home happy from these games. And right, you should, OK? It's been such a week for you, the highs, the lows, and everything in between. But to come out here... And, you know, if it went 52 high, people probably went, yeah, well, she's had a tough week. But it's gone 51 high. So, again, like, you've got to be so proud of your Olympic experience. 100%. And yesterday you gave great context to what I've actually done here. And people might underestimate to come out. This is my fourth time out. Each round takes an awful lot. It's just not a normal race. It's Olympic Games. It has that whole extra weight of emotion, everything that is uh, carried with it. So, look, of course, there is that little bit of disappointment to be just one spot short but I came out here I gave it absolutely everything and performed to the best of my ability and if it was 100% fresh that was definitely going to be a new PV. And look I know there's a lot of people at home willing you on and very proud of what you've achieved can you just say hello to them and, and uh, do you have anything you want to say to them? Absolutely the support back home has been unbelievable like I my Instagram messages are flooded at the moment and I will get back at them but um yeah, it's just incredible. Like, we do have empty stands here, but the support at home is just crazy. And, like, especially 
back in my own village, West Cork, and got to keep up with those roars in West Cork. So, uh, no, it's unbelievable, and they might as well be here. You feel that much support. Brilliant, Phil. Well, it's a pleasure. All right. Super. Thanks a million, David. Kieran, Phil Healy, history maker. How would you assess her Olympics as a whole? Well, Phil's coming back to West Cork as an Olympic finalist, which is an incredible um, achievement and honour for her. And that's a title she's going to carry for the rest of her life. Like, Phil Healy ran in an Olympic final at the Tokyo Games, and she's also part of the first Irish relay team that ever competed in an Olympic final. And they got their jet by smashing, shattering the national record. It took four seconds off it in their city final uh, last, um, last, uh, last Friday. They did the Olympic final on the Saturday where they, they finished eight. And there, I think there was, there was chopping and changing before that final because they were meant to be in lane five. But then another team was reinstated after disqualifications the day before. So Ireland were pushed out to lane one. So it was an idea. They still got on with it. They still, they still ran a very fast time, which was two seconds inside their PB coming out to Tokyo, so still a very good run. So from that, Phil was in an Olympic final and she competed so, so well. But what that did, Jack, didn't know, it, it narrowed her recovery time before her 200-metre heats on the, on the Monday. So so what she had, instead of having two and a half days between a semi-final of, of the 4 by 4 100 and her 200-metre heat, she, she only probably a day and a bit to recover which, which isn't ideal. And um, she still put in a terrific performance. She, she got a season's best of 23-21 and she finished fifth in her heat in the 200 metres. And that was the same heat as Elaine Thompson-Hera of Jamaica, who I mentioned earlier, who was the Olympic 100 metre champion. So, um, and Elaine Thompson-Hera finished third in that heat before eventually going on to win gold. So, um, like for Phil to come out and run a season's best after what she'd been through physically and emotionally with the relay team, was in, incredible. But just Kieran, can we just dwell on that point for a second then? Because obviously there was plenty of debate on RTE television, especially with Olympic legend Sonia O'Sullivan commenting on whether or not Irish athletics had made the wisest decisions by not having a sub within the four by four hundred meter relay, and whether or not Phil should have been competing in all three events, etc., etc. There's obviously various intricacies to all of that, but. Would you put any stock in some of those comments or do you think Phil was going out there with the goal of becoming the first Irish athlete to compete in three events and she did that successfully and if it did affect her performance in the 200 metres, that's just par for the course? I think we had her coach Jim McCormick on the podcast before the Games and we asked that about the, the heavy load that would be on Phil over those couple of days and about, and it is a very busy and hectic schedule. They felt that she was well able to take that load because she had done something similar in previous championships before they go back to the 2018 was it there was any European championship she ran in three different events and even at the national championships earlier this year she ran over a couple of days as well so they felt that Phil could could um, could take it all on but uh, I think probably everyone was surprised that an Irish relay team got to the Olympic final because all of a sudden she had an Olympic final on the Saturday and I'm not sure and this is just me my own opinion if they actually thought they were going to get to an Olympic final in, in the first place, like they did fantastically well to get there. So that meant her recovery was cut down significantly. And as well as the physical, the physical toll it takes running a second 400 meters and an Olympic final, it's the emotion as well. Like, um, and Phil was the oldest member of that relay team as well. So she assumed very much a leadership role with, with that team. So I think, and again, I'm not speaking for her and I haven't spoken to her about it, but maybe that took an awful lot out of her before she got onto her individual events. And you, you could see by her interview with RTE and David Gillick after the 200 metre heat on Monday, 
she was visibly getting upset and you don't usually see Phil Healy like that. So it just shows the highs and lows and the emotional toll that the Olympics can take you. But that's why it was so, so good to see Phil go out in the 400 metres on Tuesday and put in her second fastest outdoor 400 metre time ever. She finished, she finished fifth in that heat. She missed out in the semi-finals by seven hundredths of a second and won time qualifier um, position. So incredibly, again, like we're talking about fine margins, seven hundredths of a second separated Phil from an Olympic um, 400 meter semi-final. That's coming off the back of a very, very busy days, couple of days for her. So um, Shane McCormick said on Twitter on Tuesday, he goes, she's a warrior and you just have to say she's like, and she's coming back to West Cork and Berlin with her, with her head held high. Um, terrific couple of days and the feeling was I think she felt going over too that she was in a shape to run a PB and she probably was in that shape but the fact that the relay did it she sacrificed her individual events to put it all into the relay she, she did you know if she didn't have those individual that relay possibly she could have run PBs because she was in phenomenal shape going over there but but it's feeling she wanted to take part in the relay it meant an awful lot to her she did it. She got helped get them to the, uh, an Olympic final. So she'll come home and reflect um, on, a, on a job with her. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll be able to speak to Phil on the podcast in the coming weeks. But final question then for this week's episode on the Balanine Bullet. The Paris Olympics are in three years' time. Phil's 26 at the moment. There is a young pretender in the Irish sprinting ranks who we also spoke about in recent weeks, Radisha Adelecki. What would be your feeling at the moment? Could you see Phil turning out again in Paris? I think so, and I think that is the plan because between now and Paris, there are a lot of major championships coming up. You've World and European indoor and outdoor championships over the next couple of years. Um, next summer, the World, um, the, the World Outdoor Championships will be held in Oregon, and that relay team has already qualified for those championships, so Phil will be going there, touch wood as part of that relay team. And she'll also focus on her individual events as well because um, they feel she's still almost a rookie at the 400 metres. She's, she's still very new to it because she was 100 and 200 for so long. In the last couple of years, she's kind of she's she's ventured towards the 400 more and more. And she ran a PB of 51.50 earlier this year. Um, there's a feeling that there's more to come from Phil in the 400. So I think, yeah, Paris is only three years away. There's a, a lot to happen before we even get there. But uh, Phil will get faster, I think, for him. I think she will. She will. Um, she would have broken that 200 meter Irish record if she didn't at the Olympics if she didn't have the relay. So those times, those fast times, were in her, and she also has that drive, that inbuilt drive to, to keep going as well. So um, she's only getting started, just like the rowers. We all have dreams, but dreams, by their very nature, can be difficult to achieve. That's where Access Credit Union comes in. Whether it's going to college, owning a car or building your dream home, your local credit union can help you to fulfill your dreams. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Kieran, before we wrap up, there's been some big Southern Star sports sections over the course of the Olympic Games and this Thursday's is no different. We've 32 pages of sport winning its way to shops on Thursday morning, and there's 16 pages on the Olympics right in the middle of it. Um, 
we've got Olympic size in our Olympic coverage, Jack, and we're going to finish off on a high as well, especially when you've gold and bronze Olympic medals coming back to West Cork and obviously Aoife, Lydia, Gary and Phil Healy too doing tremendous stuff. So there's some great stuff in our um, Olympic coverage. Obviously, we've We've had chats with, 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 with Paul, Fenton, Gary, uh, Emily in there. We've been looking down to Casey, what makes him tick. I caught up with Teddy O'Donovan, who is Paul and Gary's dad, to ask him about Paul's journey from, from the young fella he put on a boat in the island uh, when Paul was just eight years old to, to the man who has now topped an Olympic podium in Tokyo. So it was good to get Teddy's thoughts on... On, on that, um, with the thoughts as well of uh, the likes of Night or Two and Arthur Donovan and what they saw, Nuda Lupton shares her views on it. Um, there's so much in there, it's packed and I have my own colour piece too, which kind of summing up the last couple of days where we um, were between Love Island and the Greek philosopher Heraclitus, I think that's his name after, um, we get it all in there, so there's so much in this Thursday Southern Star for Olympic coverage alone. But outside of that, there's a lot going on. The Cork Hurlers have Kilkenny in the Lar Ireland semi-final this weekend. The Cork Ladies are true to the All Ireland semi-final against Mead. Uh, the Cork Camogie team has marched on as well. The Cork Miners beat Kerry last week. The Cork under 20s bowed out of the All Ireland semi-final to Offaly. Then there's all the local action as well. And um, so there's plenty going on. And just as Part of that coverage, Castlehaven won the their League Two County Football League final on on Sunday, but they got an injury, and it's an injury that um, that they hope won't won't hurt their chances in the upcoming um, County Senior Football final against Nemo. So just check out the Southern Star for that and a lot, lot more. And if you can't make it to the shops, you can always subscribe online. Just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can read the Southern Star on your computer, tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week. Just to flag one more thing as well because there is a free souvenir, giant, glossy, Olympic-sized poster with this week's Southern Star as well. So pictured on it are Fintan McCarthy, Paul O'Donovan with their gold medals and Emily Hegarty with her bronze. So this is one that will be hanging up in bedrooms, businesses, schools windows everywhere around west cork and beyond for the next couple of years because i know if you walk around skibbereen now the southern star poster from the 2016 olympics is still on display so don't forget to pick up a copy to make sure you get this poster kieran just on that jack if there's listeners to this podcast now who aren't in west cork and they want to get this week's southern star and get that poster What's the best way for them to get hold of the star this week? The best way is to probably call the front office at 028 212 and ask for a postal subscription and we'll be able to post a copy of the Southern Star out to you featuring the poster. So yeah, if you're listening or watching from anywhere outside of West Cork where the Southern Star isn't as easily available. But also the Southern Star is available in dublin it's available in london it's available in limerick they even sell it in the book center in kilkenny so if you have a decent bookshop in your town or a sizable news agent all you have to do is go in and ask at the counter and say could you order in an extra southern star for me this week and they will happily do it so either call and look for a postal subscription but if you're in a major town that has a decent bookshop or news agent that's probably the easiest way to do it and it'll be the most efficient way because they'll be able to get a copy the very next day whereas a postal subscription could take 
up to a couple of days depending on where you are so whatever you do ring the office because i know our colleague peggy is on top of all the shops around ireland that stock the southern star and in the uk for that matter it's in london it's probably in manchester i just don't have a list of the stores in front of me so wherever you are we'll be able to get a copy of the southern star with this special souvenir olympic poster so don't be afraid to just call us up and we will make sure you are looked after because as we said this is a historic moment in the history of west cork sports so what better way to celebrate it than with a big giant poster on your wall that will last for years because it is those brilliant glossy posters anyway that's enough shilling it is and a sin. giant glossy poster i think when i'm getting to what you're saying it's a big giant glossy poster and it's free with and this paper which is a big thing so, yeah uh, exactly fantastic. so uh make sure to to pick up a copy we might clip this one and throw it out on social media as well because we are the ultimate southern star salesman our colleague brian mccarthy would probably lay claim to that title but we might challenge him with our performance in the last two minutes anyway look i digress let's finish up thanks for listening to the star sport podcast we'll be back at the same time next week if you enjoy these shows please make sure to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify youtube or wherever you get your podcasts slant